Good morning, everyone. Thank you. I've been, <clears throat> my name's Clay, by the way, we haven't met before. I've, uh, I'm a married man. I have a wife. Is she in the room at the moment? I'm going to speak on submission this morning, so it's probably best that Leslie's here to hear this. It's not just for you, sweetheart, but probably should take some notes. So I've been, yeah, I'll pay for that later. Um, I've been thinking about uh, about submission uh, quite a bit lately, particularly since uh, uh, Greg and Danny spoke on the concept of submission in their marriage a couple of weeks ago. And it's a fascinating topic and sometimes quite contentious. So let's talk about it some more, eh? <laughs> and let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Because this is the one, Ephesians chapter 5. This one in Colossians 3, it's got the goods. This is where we often base our discussions on submission. There's usually a particular spin that we put on it. From verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Everybody say everything. Everything. Everybody say submit. Wives in everything. Amen. Let's pray. Actually, let's pray. Lord, when we read your word, we need to hear and feel and take it your heart. We need to see your words through your eyes. That you would lead us into what you have for us for your truth. I pray, Lord, you take away any bias which is not of you. And that you would put deposit your word in our hearts. And that would produce a work in us that would transform us more into the likeness of Christ. Amen. Paul has three Three messages, or a message for three different groups in this, in this little passage. There's a message for wives. There is a message for husbands. And there is a message for the church. So let's start with the wives. What is the message for wives in this little part of Ephesians 5? It's pretty simple, really. You should submit. To your husband. But what does that actually mean? What does submit mean? Is that a difficult word for you? Does it have negative connotations for you? Particularly if you are a woman. Particularly if you are a wife. Is that a hard word to get your head or your heart around, submit. The Greek word that is translated submit for us in Ephesians is hupatasso, 
does sound like a disease, doesn't it? This was originally a military term. Hupatasso was the word you'd use to describe uh, the arrangement of, for example, troops into an orderly fashion. The way you would arrange them in rank and file under the command of a leader. That's Hupatasso. That's how you would use it in a military context. But if you weren't talking about troops and an army, when you use this word, what it meant was a voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, even assuming responsibility, or carrying a burden. Obviously, in the military usage, it's about a commander giving orders and the recruits following what he's, what they're told to do. But that's not the context that Ephesians 5 is written in. There's nothing military about this pastoral letter to the Ephesians. The context is a family. It doesn't mean the same thing. The Ephesian context of submission does not involve anyone forcing their will on anyone else. The relationship here is consensual. One person is appointed to lead and another chooses volunteers to follow. One commits to a goal and another commits to cooperate to see it fulfilled. One accepts a responsibility and the other offers to help carry the burden. This is biblical submission And it has always been this way from the very first marriage, Genesis chapter 2. Let's turn there. Genesis chapter 2 from verse 15. The The Lord took the man and he put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them, and whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. They become one flesh. They don't become master and slave. This was the first marriage. 
God saw that Adam was not good. How could something that God created not be good? Well, the answer is, if he hadn't finished yet. He hadn't finished when Adam was made. He was only halfway through. And so then he finished the job. Created Eve. A helper. A partner. Someone who was just like him, except that she wasn't just like him. She was different in the ways that would complement him, so that together they would complete each other. And they needed that, because Adam alone didn't fully reflect the image of God. Genesis one twenty seven says that the image of God was displayed in man and woman. And that was his plan all along. Marriage is a partnership, a cooperative journey between husband and wife. And so was the church. It is a cooperative journey between husband and wife, God and his church. And different people have different functional roles and corresponding authority according to God's design in these institutions. Leadership is a responsibility, especially spiritual leadership. Biblical submission is not about obeying commands as it is about agreeing to support and come under the calling or mantle that God has placed on someone. So for me, that means recognizing and submitting to the authority that God has placed on the elders here at The Rock. It means recognizing and placing myself under the spiritual gifts that God has invested in every one of my brothers and sisters here this morning. And it also means recognizing and respecting the rule of law uh, in this country as the authority of our government also comes from God. Romans 13. The English word submit comes directly from the Latin submitere, which means to place under. And that meaning carries through into how we use it now. And being under is not always a bad thing. In fact, being under is often a good thing. If I want to be warm or I want to tan, I'll stand under the sun. If I want my plants to grow, I'll place them under the rain. If I want to stay dry, well, I'll stand under an umbrella. If I want to receive a prophet's reward, I will sit under a prophet. If I want to receive deeper understanding of God's word, I will sit under a teacher. If I want to be equipped to share the gospel of Christ, I will sit under the ministry of a gifted evangelist. When I sit under, submit myself, well, then I can receive what they have for me. And what they have for me is a gift from God, be it the Son or a spiritual gift. It's a gift from God. But to receive from it, I have to place myself under. I have to submit. And everyone that God has placed over you 
he has placed over you for your benefit. As Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 8, boasting freely of the authority that God had given the apostles to build up the church, not to tear them down. And you see that consistently in the way he talks to the church. He is a father who loves. He, he, he would rather be in heaven, and he says it explicitly. He would rather be dead and be in heaven with his Lord, except he wants to do God's will, and, and that would mean staying here to build up the church, which he is so passionate about. And that's how he uses his authority, to build the church up. And so, yes, we should submit to the apostolic leadership that God has raised up to build the church. But biblical, biblical submission is not just about those in authority and those under it. Because, of course, we're all under authority. It was interesting, interesting to discover the first mention of this word submit, hupatasso, uh, in the scriptures, uh, and the context and how it was used. Uh, in scripture, it was in relation to the attitude of a young boy to his parents. And I wonder if you can guess who the young boy was. Luke chapter 2. Let's turn there. Luke chapter 2 from verse 48. First mention of this word submit. When they saw him, Verse 48, they were astonished, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he said to them, Why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand the statement which he had made to them. And so he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he continued in submission, hupatasso, in submission to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Jesus wasn't just submitted to his heavenly father. He was also submitted to his earthly parents, his earthly father, his earthly mother just as God had required in the scriptures. Jesus' human parents had functional authority over him. But it did not mean that they were more spiritually mature than him, because they weren't. It did not mean that they were more wise or learned in the scriptures. What it meant was God had a plan, an order of things. And it was for Jesus' benefit. And so Jesus submitted to his earthly parents, as it was written in the scriptures since the time of Moses. And again in the scriptures, God requires that wives be submitted to their husbands as they are to the Lord. But this isn't just an instruction for wives. It turns out the instruction is for us all. Now, the scripture I started with in Ephesians chapter 5, I started at verse 22. That seemed like a great place to start. I could have started a verse earlier, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Did I drop it out because it's not relevant to the topic of submission? 
Maybe we should have another look at it. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Oh. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Maybe we should have started there. Who is one another? Is it the men folk? It's probably the men folk, isn't it? Mutual submission between the men. No. Earlier, uh, the chapter before and in there, it establishes we're talking here about the body of Christ. We're talking about all the believers in here. To the church, God says, submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. The context of everything else that follows is based on that. Mutual submission for us all, submitted to each other. That's where it flows from. This isn't a passage about husband and wife. This is a passage about the church and the way we treat each other, about our humility, the attitude we carry. But we're given an example. Our submission is not based on on who someone is. It's not based on what authority that someone carries. And it's certainly not based by what gender they have. But who Christ is and our love and respect for him. You see, the spirit of the same Christ who hung on the cross for your sins, for my sins, the same spirit of Christ, Christ who rules the kingdom of heaven at the right hand of the Father, the same spirit now lives in each and every one of the brothers and sisters that sit around you this morning. Our respect, our love, our submission for each other is found in who they are in Christ and who he is in them. Back to Ephesians 5.22. Wives, submit to yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. How do we submit to the Lord? What does, that, what does that look like? How should it look? Jesus said three times in John 14, if you love me, you will obey my commands. You will obey my teaching. The one who loves me is the one who obeys my teaching. This obedience Jesus is looking for doesn't flow out of a legalistic adherence to the scriptures, to the law. It it doesn't come because we're scared of the consequences of not obeying. I'll obey because I don't want the curse. It is the expression of our love for him. And loving him flows from trusting him and respecting him. And that grows as we come to know him more and more and have seen his faithfulness and have experienced his love. If you trust God, if you respect him, then you can't help but obey. Men, does your wife trust you? 
Does she respect you? Have you earned her respect? Have you kept her trust? Have you protected it? Or are we men to expect our wives to dutifully submit to our authority just because we have the God-ordained title of husband? Some seem to. There is such a huge challenge for us all in these passages. Submitting is hard, not just for wives, but for all of us it's hard. But also, being someone which would inspire submission, how hard is that? Now, of course, what the scripture doesn't say is submit to the person that you trust and respect and you agree with their decisions. I don't generally agree with a lot of God's decisions, but uh, that's because I'm an idiot. But submission has nothing to do with that. It's, it's not submitting to yourself. And if you agreed with everything that someone was saying, it's probably not even submission. But there's a point to consider there. The model for the husband in this passage is Christ. The model for the head of the family is Christ. And he calls us to submit. And we don't all the time, constantly. He is perfectly trustworthy, perfectly faithful, perfectly wise, perfectly knowledgeable. He has the best plan. He wants only the best for us. But we constantly disobey and we constantly go our own way. We don't submit all the time. And he's the perfect model. So for there to be any expectation that this submission would be in your family unit, how do you stack up husbands at, to Christ in terms of your faithfulness, in terms of your trustworthiness, in terms of your integrity, your wisdom? Actually, that's a pretty good point to look at. Expectation. Expectation. I expect my wife to submit to me. God doesn't care what I expect at all. My opinion on that is irrelevant. What's God, what God's interested in terms of me? It's not what I think about my wife and how she treats me, but how I treat and love my wife. There's something in there about not picking at someone's speck in their eye because there's a log in yours. This is a good context to apply that. I'm not to spend any time thinking about how Leslie could do a better job of being my wife. You see, we can't change someone else's attitude or behavior. We can't change what's happening inside them. And we're not supposed to try. It's us that we have free will and control over. And that is where we need to be working. So whatever ridiculous expectation I have for what Leslie should do for me, her Lord and Master. Uh, yeah, I'm sure the Lord chuckles as well. No. 
He's called me to love my wife as Christ has loved the church. And unfortunately, I have a pretty good concept from Scripture of what that is, and that is beyond me. That is beyond me. How could I begin to love my wife as Christ has loved the church, giving his life for her? But that is the model that's been laid before me. That is what I aspire to. And that is what my focus is, not on what Leslie's doing. And that goes the other way as well. Wives, it's, the focus is not how your husband could be better. I'm sure you've got a very good idea, probably written down in an ordered list of exactly the ways in which your husband could be better. But that's between him and God. You, between you and God, is how you can honor and respect and support your husband. We just need to look after our own stuff. That's the thing here. So men, Christ is our model. And this is the message for us here. Christ is our model of what a husband is. He is our model of what the head of the household should be. And he is faithful. He is loving. He is generous. He is compassionate. He is kind, he is slow to anger, he is forgiving, and he is self-sacrificing. That is the calling of a godly husband. That is what the head of a Christian household should be described as. Paul says here in Ephesians 5.23 that the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. How does Christ's headship of the church manifest itself? Does he lord it over us? No. Does he force us to his will against our own? Nope. He guides. He counsels. He models. He invites he reveals the Father's plan. He, he even issues commands, but those commands, he throws them out there and then gives us the free will to choose whether we will follow them or not. Ephesians 5 starts with these words. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. God's lordship over us is not that of a dictator. It's as a loving father. And Christ's headship over us is not as a screaming sergeant major, not as a, as, as a general, but as a loving bridegroom. In our response to the headship of Christ and in our own family should be in loving submission with the same heart that a child or a bride have. There's a, an interesting 
dynamic at play in the love and submission relationship. The wife submitting to her husband doesn't mean that the husband gets his way. In fact, when a wife is in submission to her husband and a husband truly loves his wife, that's when God gets his way. Submission is expressed in humility and sacrifice. And as we have seen in Christ, so is love. Love is expressed in a relationship by sacrificing for the other, by putting them first. And this is exactly what Christ did. Do you think he wanted to go to the whip, that he wanted to go to the cross? You read the narrative of Jesus last night in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying, crying, bleeding in anguish about what lay before him. He knew what lay before him, and he didn't want to go to the cross. In the flesh, he was anxious, terrified of this. But there's something he loved more than his own flesh. His father and us. And so he submitted himself under his loving father and chose to carry the burden for us, submitting himself even to death. So he didn't get his own way. He chose the way of his father. He chose the way of love for us and submitted himself to that. Submission is expressed in humility and sacrifice. And we've seen this in Christ. Love is expressed in humility and sacrifice. In so many ways, submission and love are parallels of the same thing. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 to 8. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is one of my favorite marriage verses. In your marriage relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing 
by taking the very nature of a servant. Husbands, can you make yourself nothing before your wife and put her needs before your own? Wives, can you make yourself nothing before your husband and put their needs before your own? In a marriage where you're both competing to be the most humble and giving, your whole family's going to win. God does not see a man or a husband as better than a wife or a woman. It never has. God's appraisal at creation was that man was incomplete without a woman. And Paul wrote in Galatians, Galatians chapter 3, In Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to his promise. There is no gender bias in the kingdom of heaven. And I understand that sometimes it looks and reads like there is. But that's not the heart of God. So he needs us to get over that, see each other as equals, see the value that he has put in every single one of us, submit to his spirit in each and every one of us, continue to build a culture of mutual submission, of humility, of real love, and stop judging. Matthew 7, do not judge, or you too will be judged. For the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother, to your husband, to your wife, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own? You hypocrite. Take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will clearly see to remove the speck from your brothers. Our responsibility under God is to honor the call on our lives as best as we can in his strength. Whatever our role is in our families, in the church, or in the world, we can't judge each other. We can't shame each other or nag each other. Rather, we need to love one another and forgive one another and pray for one another and model what true humility is. This affects the way that we lead and this affects the way that we serve. This is the what affects the way we treat each other, certainly in our marriages, but also in the family that we have here. Finally, Paul makes it clear in verse 32. 
of Ephesians 5. That the real message hidden for us in this part of the Ephesian letter is not about our earthly marriages at all, but about our heavenly one. The ultimate reality is always a heavenly one. And the wife in this family is ultimately the church. This charge for wives to respect their husbands and husbands to sacrificially love their wives is homework. That's what we've been given here. Homework. The ultimate purpose of which is for us to come into a deeper revelation of Christ's love for us and for our love to flow back in humble submission as his bride. This is something that God does all the time. He gives us a physical experience to help us understand an eternal one. It's why elders and the requirements in Timothy and Titus need to demonstrate that they can manage their physical family well, their biological family, so that it demonstrates that they can lead spiritually in the body of Christ and their spiritual family. It's in that place that they can learn what love and humility and integrity and faithfulness are so that they can lead in those spiritually. And I don't doubt for a second that everything that God leads us into here is homework, is training for an eternity with him. Turns out that a lot of this homework in the family can actually be fun. Something we can enjoy. And look back and see that we are better than we were before. And in that, God has shown me that when I can also submit under my wife, I can receive the benefit of what he has placed on her. Now, you haven't known me that long, but the man I am today is so much better than the man I was, and the work that the Lord has done through my wife to accomplish that is remarkable, and that happened because I could humble myself under my wife and receive from her what God had placed on her and in her. And through my wife, the Lord has been shaping my character, making me into a man who can lead my household, can father and lead spiritually my children, be a man that they would respect and trust. So I thank the Lord for my wife and for bringing me to a place where I could see the value that he had put in her. And that same value is sitting next to you and all around you. If only we could submit to each other and receive the very same. Let's pray.
Lord, I thank you for the every single one of the marriages that are represented in this room. And for the people that you have brought together to help partner each other, to fulfill the plan that you have for them. I thank you for my marriage. I thank you for what you've accomplished in me through it. I thank you for our children. And Lord, I thank you for your for your marriage with your church and that you would invite us to be a part of that. Thank you, Lord, for what you have brought together here at The Rock, for the value that you've placed in every one of us, for the work that you're doing through us to build each other up. God, I pray for rampant humility, Lord, just to flow through us all. I pray, Lord, for the downfall of pride, that you would rip that from us. That we could willingly submit to each other and receive what it is, Lord, that you've put, deposited in us for each other. I pray you'd help us to love just as you have loved us. And that is what we would become known for. Lord, thank you for how you have modeled a heart of humility and submission and how you have loved us. And I pray now you'd help us to do the same, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.